If you're a follower of Jesus, then you've found a treasure worth telling others about. But where do we start and who can we tell? Today, the traveling team visits to show us that God has had an eternal plan for the whole wide world, highlight where the gospel is needed most, and encourage us to take the next steps in our own lives to bring the good news of Jesus to every nation, tribe, and tongue. Welcome to Challenge. Um, I, hey guys, we are excited to be here. Like she said, my name is Jake, and we love uh, traveling the country, talking about um, the character of God, talking about God's heart for the world. Um, we typically travel, I've gotten to go to 49 of the 50 states doing this very thing. Like I love um, talking to students, no matter where they're at in their spiritual journey, because I know a room this size, there's going to be a breadth of, of spiritual walks in here. Some people are checking it out for the first time. Some people have been following Jesus uh, for years now. And so I love just talking about God and about God's heart for the entire world. Um, and so we are here because we believe that much in what God's doing around the world and that he is inviting all of us, his people, his, his family into that work. Uh, but I have a question. Have you guys ever like ever missed something that was like so blatantly in front of you, but you just missed it anyway? Am I the only one? Okay, a couple. There's a few of us. That's great. Uh, in my freshman year of college, I'm driving down the highway and, I, and I'm following this U-Haul truck. And I'm following this U-Haul truck and, and I'm looking at the back U-Haul. And all of a sudden it hits me. Not the truck, this idea that, yeah, that would have been bad. That's like the going down the 60 or something. Um, that, that U-Haul meant you haul it. I kid you not, for the first 18 years of my life, thank you, I had no idea that U-Haul meant you put it in a box, put it in the truck, and then you take it to its next destination. U-Haul it. It had gone right over my head. I missed it. I missed it. Um, I, I'm from Kansas. I was getting to talk to, I think Jacob, I don't know where he's at in the room, but I was getting to talk to him and he's like, that's far. He's like, that's different. I'm like, yeah, it's a whole different world. You know, I grew up in Kansas and I heard this story about the Northridge earthquake. Um, so I'm, I'm getting some head, like that was back in 1994, but it, the, the impact of that earthquake was huge. It was, a, it was one of the biggest earthquakes in decades that hit Los Angeles County. And I remember, even as a little kid watching it on the news, and as a little kid, I didn't exactly know what was going on, um, but I remember seeing pictures of like buildings and bridges and things that had collapsed. But I heard this, I read this article about the Northridge earthquake. So a huge earthquake hits at 4.30 in the morning. So in the middle of the night, when it's pitch black outside, it hits Los Angeles County and it knocks out power for over a million people. And when people came outside that night, they were checking on their friends and their neighbors and their family. And emergency services started to get this phone call again and again, but it wasn't actually about the earthquake. It was about this weird, gray, hazy cloud in the sky. And what many who had grown up under the big city lights had missed. Thank you, Audrey. 
They had just missed the Milky Way galaxy. They'd never seen it before. And so they got all shook up by this earthquake, and then the lights went out over the entire city, and people got to finally see the stars, at least a majority of the stars. And they weren't getting confused by like all the planes lining up for LAX, like as the Milky Way galaxy. No, they, they got to see the Milky Way for the first time. So, so sometimes we miss things because we don't know we're supposed to look for them in the first place. That's just true. Like, I didn't know I was supposed to look at the U-Haul logo and, like, understand, like, it was supposed to be really catchy. And then other times we miss things because, the wor- that, because this world blocks our view of it. I Think about it. I mean, the world had put up street lamps and billboards and sky rises and all these things, to, to, and it, it blocked their view, it polluted their view of seeing the night sky. And the world... Hear me, as college students, you guys are going to get this the rest of your life. The world wants to block your view on something that God's been doing since the beginning of time. It, it wants to keep you from seeing God's global work and his global invitation as believers that we can join. And it's going to try and block your view. A lot of times with the American dream, the American dream is nice and shiny. And, and that artificial light wants to drown out seeing God's character and God's purpose. And like, just like the Milky Way, I I hope tonight, metaphorically, that we get to shut out the lights on the world for 22 more minutes, and we get to look at something so beautiful, something so beautiful that God's been doing since Genesis 1. Because, again, I don't know where you're at on your spiritual journey, but if you have ever asked the question or will ask the question, what is God's will for my life? We must first ask the question, what is God's purpose in general? And then how do I align my life to that? You guys ready to go through the entire Bible in the next 20 minutes? All right, here we go. I'm going to start in the beginning. That little red card has a lot of the references um, that I'm going to walk through. So uh, I'm going to go fast so you can just use that as a little resource to take home with you. And so in the beginning, Genesis 1, in the beginning, God creates Adam and Eve. The very first command ever given to mankind was this. Genesis 1.28, God said, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. That's God's first command to his people. What happens? Well, a couple chapters later, if we know the story, man sins. It gets so bad, God hits the reset button, floods the entire earth in Genesis 6, and he starts over again with a man named Noah. And as Noah comes off the ark in Genesis 9-1, him and his family, they hear hear the same command from God. God says this, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. Why does God repeat himself? Because God desires to see this world filled with people who know and love him. Friends, that's his plan from the very beginning. Two chapters later, chapter 11, what do we have? We have the Tower of Babel. In Genesis 11, we have the Tower of Babel. And at the Tower of Babel, God scatters the nations around the world. That's 11 chapters into the Bible. That's 11 chapters of context before we get to Genesis chapter 12. And I want to put forth that Genesis chapter 12 is one of the most foundational chapters in the entire Bible. 
Why? Because in Genesis chapter 12, God puts forth his mission into motion. What do I mean? What's the context we have? Right now, in Genesis 11, we have a world filled with people. But what does God want? God wants to see a world filled with people who know and love him. And that's not what we have yet. We just have a world filled with people, sinful people, fallen people, people separated from knowing him. And in Genesis 12, he starts to change that. And he chooses a guy named Abram, better known as Abraham. And this is what he says. The Lord said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. So what does God say to Abraham? Bro, I'm going to hook you up. Man, I got a plan for you. I'm going to bless you like crazy, but don't miss this. That blessing's not just for you. See, I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse. And all nations, and all nations on earth will be blessed through you. The reason I talk about this being a very foundational chapter in Scripture, because right here in verses 1 through 3, God gives us a pattern. That pattern looks like this, that God pours out blessing upon his people, his church, his family. So that. So that they would be a blessing to the rest of the world. We are blessed to be a blessing. We are blessed to be a blessing. God's grace is free. Hear me out. You guys are getting ready to walk into a series on grace. Grace is a free gift. There is nothing that you can do to earn God's grace. The only thing you can do is receive it. It's a free gift. But friends, the recipient of that grace is never intended to be the final destination. God's grace has come because it's on its way to somebody else. That's Genesis 12, 1 through 3. And God says to Abram, man, I'm going to bless you so that the world would be blessed. And he's going to carry that promise forward. From Abraham, it comes to Abraham's son, Isaac. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and through your offspring. All nations on earth will be blessed. To his son, Jacob, the story continues. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. Friends, from generation to generation, God is pushing this promise forward. Spoiler alert, it's on its way to us. And I always wondered, grew up in Kansas, and I'd heard about Christianity, went to church and things, but I always wonder, why did God choose Israel? Why did God choose Israel? Like, was it because they were like a better people or something? No. Go and read any book in the Old Testament. You're going to realize Israel was not a better people than others. No, God didn't choose Israel because they were a better people. Hear me on this. God chose Israel because they had a bigger purpose. They had a bigger purpose. God created an entire nation of people that would be the conduit of blessing to the rest of the nations of the world. Let me prove it. You guys ever heard of the story of David and Goliath before? Show of hands. I want to love to know. Okay, one, two, five, ten. Okay, all of us. Great. Um, why is this story in the Bible? I always thought, I read it like this. Well, small dude, tall dude, awesome headshot. 
BK, right? That's the story of David. Yeah, he's like, yes, that's the story of David and Goliath. Checks out. And I always thought, well, if God's on my side, there's no giant that can stand against me. And that's true. But that's actually not the main theme of this story. David understands why God is going to bless him with victory, even before he walks out on the battlefield. Because as he walks out, look at what he says to Goliath. He says this, This day I will strike you down, Goliath, because, because then the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Friends, David understood God's not, God's not blessing me for me. He's blessing me to use me to make his name famous throughout the entire world. And do you know how I prove that to be true? Who in here has heard of the story of David and Goliath before? And God's still using that story thousands of years later, thousands of miles away to make his name famous. And if we had the time tonight to walk through every famous Old Testament Bible story, I would show you the thread and the theme through all of them that God's heart beats for the nations. Take Jonah and the whale. Meshach, Rakchak, Meshach, Abednego in the fiery furnace. Solomon's wisdom, the dedication of the temple, Moses in the exodus out of Egypt, the crossing of the Jordan, the Ten Commandments, Joseph in his coat of many colors, the, uh, Esther, and she goes before the king. Like I could take you through all the stories and see God's heart is not just for the nation of Israel. It's for the entire world. So the last series you guys walked out of, how does Jesus love? In this series that we're walking into tonight, who does Jesus love? All the nations of the world. So take Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel in the lion's den is another famous story. And if you don't know the story, it goes like this. Daniel is a prophet, and, and he's praying to Yahweh, and these other government officials don't like that, so they trick the king, and they get Daniel thrown into a den of lions. And God sends an angel to shut the mouth of the lions and Daniel walks out the next morning untouched. Like that's a crazy story. And knowing that story, you can't tell me that Daniel wasn't blessed. He absolutely was. But look at the result. Look at the result of that story. You guys ever heard of King Darius? This is the very guy that threw him into the pit. King Darius is a pagan king. He doesn't worship Yahweh. And he writes a letter to literally everyone, to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth. I make a decree because I can do that. I'm king. And in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before who? Before the God of Daniel. Because that guy's God, man, he has real power. Over and over and over again, we see God blessing his people for a bigger purpose. And we go into the Psalms. In the Psalms, the constant refrain is God's heart for the nations. Dozens upon dozens of times, we see God's heart for the nations. Psalm 67, may God be gracious to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. And I love that. I think all of us could agree, I want more of that. 
But why does he do it? Continues. So that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. Friends, we are blessed to be a blessing. See, in our world, the world has it backwards. The world says, gather your blessings and build your kingdom. God says, I have blessed you to build my kingdom. And through the prophets, Habakkuk 2.14, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the seas. Malachi 1.11, from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. It will happen. Why? Because our God cannot fail. He can't fail. And hear me, this is his task. This is his mission. And he is inviting his people into that. God's doing a mighty work around the world, even to this day. But the world tries to block our view of seeing it. Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament. So we just went from Genesis 1 to Malachi. Because I wanted to show to you, throughout the entire thing, the story doesn't change. And so as we turn the picture from the Old Testament into the New Testament, friends, we see the same exact thing. Because the story doesn't change and our God doesn't change. Look at the most famous verse in the entire world. John 3.16. Most famous verse in the Bible. For God so loved the Jake. Yeah, I thought it always said Jake. And let me pause for one second. I don't know where you're at. As you're, if you're checking out Christianity, if you've been walking, for a God, walking with God for a while, but hear me on this. And that is absolutely true. God's love is personal. And he wants a personal relationship with every single person in this room. And God's love is personal. But I can't forget what the verse actually says. And that God loves the entire world that he sent his one and only son, that whoever would believe in Jesus would have eternal life. Man, Jesus came to earth to die on a cross, but he died on a cross for the sins of the entire world. And after he died, he spent three days in the grave. Three days in the grave before he arose from the dead, defeating death so that those who believe could have life. And before he ascended into heaven, he walked on earth for 40 days. For 40 days. And in that time, we got what's called the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 19. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The Great Commission. Matthew 28, 19. This is not the only Great Commission. It's recorded in other Gospels and the book of Acts. Before Jesus went to the cross... He talked about many things. He talked about heaven, hell, finances, sin, marriage. But after he arose from the dead, he emphasized one main thing. That my family, my disciples, my followers, you are to be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. If you're going to follow me, you're going to be following me as I walk to the nations that have never heard about me. 
where is Jesus calling us to follow him to? Well, right here on our campus, in our dorms, fraternities, sororities, our apartment complexes, and our classmates, but also to the world. Specifically, to the parts of the world that have never heard about Jesus before. And so I'm going to show up a picture. Here's a picture of the world. The world, uh, right here I'm going to look at, it's called the 1040 window. 10 degrees north latitude to 40 degrees north latitude from West Africa all the way through past East Asia. And so this area of the world is home to 5 billion people. That's a lot of people. Five billion, two-thirds of the world's population lives in this area of the world. Now, now hear me say this. There are needs all around the world. There is spiritual need all over this planet, in in our own campus, even in our own families. There is unsaved people all over the place. But but the reason I want to highlight the area of the world called the 1040 window is because there's 3.1 billion 3.1 billion people who live in that area of the world who have little to no access to the gospel. Access. Now, unsaved people, I mean, they're lost. They don't follow Jesus, and we want that. But they at least have access to follow Jesus. An unreached person has little to no access. And we want everyone, if if we truly believe that Jesus is the only way, we want everyone to know and follow him. But right now we highlight the three billion that, uh, that may not have a Bible in their language. They may not have like a church in their city or even country. They'll never go to school next to a believer or drive in traffic or work alongside somebody who knows the truth about Jesus. That's what we're talking about with little to no access. And that's not everyone in that part of the world. I mean, that's 5 billion and 3 billion. So there's still 2 billion people in that area of the world considered reached. They may not follow Jesus, but at least they have access. We're just highlighting that there is areas of the world where people have little to no access to hear about what we talk about in this room every week. And that, that can be heavy. And I understand that. But I don't want that heaviness to be guilt or shame That's not what I want. Like statistics like this, statistics should never motivate. They should guide. What my hope is motivation is the word of God drawing you into an invitation that God's doing around the world. That would be an incredible motivation. And if you want some guidance on, okay, I want to live this out. Where do I do it? Man, that's where we look at statistics. So this can be heavy. I understand that. But there's still hope. And so if that weight, if anyone feels like a a pressure or a weight, my hope would be that 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 weight is just a weight of responsibility. That we are blessed, that we might be a blessing to the rest of the world, and that we would take action upon the things that we hear tonight. But there is hope. Why? Because we already talked about it. Our God can't fail. The picture of the world today is the 1040 window. The picture of where we're headed is the picture of heaven that God gives us in Revelation 7. Look at this. In Revelation 7, it says, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. 
friends, we are moving forward towards this picture that our God cannot fail. And there's going to be representatives from every tribe, language, people, and country standing before Jesus. And I've heard even recently when the gospel goes out, uh, it's not, we're not, we're not going out to change culture to make someone look more like me. That's not what we're talking about when we talk about seeing the gospel go to the nations. No, we're going out to change eternities. Because look, nation, tribe, people, language, there's distinctness there because there's a beauty in diversity. This room is beautiful and diverse. This campus is beautiful and diverse. So don't get those things confused because, yeah, I think we can. We're moving towards this picture because, hear me on this, friends and and fellow believers, because we're a part of the family. God's inviting you and me into his work because you and I are a part of the family. Oh, yeah, here's, uh, well, I'm going to skip that. We're a part of the family. I was like, oh, man, I forgot. Uh, Galatians 3, 29, and if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to the promise. You are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Very simply put, that if you're in this room right now and you follow Jesus, welcome to the family. Welcome to the family. We are sons and daughters of the King, brothers and sisters in Christ. And the same promise that God gave Abraham in Genesis 12 is something that you and I get to claim. That we are blessed to be a blessing. So what's that look like? Well, it's going to look different for everyone in here. Each of us have been blessed differently. We have different majors. And so, yeah, different degrees are represented, different talents and abilities, different passions and desires. But how do we bow all of those things under the, the reign of Christ that he wants to use our talents that he has given us for his glory around the world? When I was a little kid, like I loved playing with my like toy tractor. I grew up on a cattle ranch. So I loved playing with my toy tractors. I, I don't know what your guys' favorite toys were as kids, but I had my little green tractor. I'd, and I'd drive it around. I'd plow the carpet. I had corn on one side, beans on the other, like a little plastic cow. And I was having some fun. It was like major work to do that kind of stuff. So, but anytime, anytime my dad would come inside and say, hey, Jake, you want to come to work with me? I always went. Because it meant I got to drive a real tractor. He would take me outside, set me on the side of this huge honking tractor. And then he would climb up behind me and I'd begin to steer. Now, was I actually driving this tractor? No. Thank you in the back. No. No. If I was, little Jake was driving this tractor, something tragic would have happened. I would have driven through a fence, over a cow, into a pond, something bad. But friends, my dad was always sitting right behind me. He he was keeping us on the right track because he knew where we were headed. And and I don't know in a room this size, the relationship you have with your earthly father. But I do know the relationship your heavenly father wants to have with you. And he is inviting you. He is a good father and he is inviting you to join him 
in the things that he is doing. Not because God needs us. Like I thought about my dad, like why did my dad take me to work with him? It wasn't because it, it was more efficient. It causes more time, probably caused more pain and effort. But my dad did it because it brought him so much joy to take his child with him. And it's no different for our father in heaven. He absolutely delights in taking his children to work with him. And so if you hear nothing else tonight, hear this. God delights in you. He delights in you, takes joy in you. And he is inviting you into something so much bigger and something this world doesn't want you to be a part of. The world wants you to get caught up with the American dream. But God wants something bigger for your life. He wants you to be a part of what he's doing. So how do we do that? How do we do that? How do we jump in the tractor with dad? Well, Paul talks about unreached people. Romans 10, 14, Paul says, how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? Paul talks about unreached people. He says, well, how are they to hear without someone going and preaching to them? And how are they to go and preach unless they are sent? So if I want to be a part of what God's doing around the world, Paul gives us some tracks to run on. And he gives us two main categories, go and send. Now, uh, Amber had already talked about the part two. So like we'll take a five-minute break after the meeting, after worship, that kind of stuff. And then Amber is going to walk through how, as college students, do we go and send right now and then for the rest of our life? Like if we want to take action on what we heard tonight, how do we do that? And that's what she's going to walk through. How do we go here cross-culturally? How do we reach out to other cultures that are on our campus? No matter what culture I am, how do I reach out to different, different uh, beliefs and faiths and people that I'd meet in my classroom or when I'm eating uh, Panda Express right below this room? How do we go there? How do we go with challenge to different parts of the world? Or maybe I'm still new to this. How do I even just get more training using my summers to develop my spiritual walk with God? How do we send by giving and praying? And the last one is mobilizing. And so I went through these briefly because that's what she's going to talk about. How do we practically live this out? But, but I just want to uh, highlight one thing. When I used to look at going and sending, here's how I would view it. Well, going must be A team. And that means sending's B team. Varsity, like the super spiritual. And then the JV. And friends, that is not true. It is not true that somebody who goes as a missionary is a better Christian in any way than somebody who stays behind and prays and gives. They are equally needed, equally spiritual, and both equally important. So don't let the enemy tell you that if you're not living cross-culturally overseas as a missionary, you're any less of a Christian because it's not true. But here's the caveat I give to that. A lot of times when we see sending, it means, well, I get to sacrifice less. And that's also not true. The sacrifice for all believers is the same across the board, whether I go or I send. Equally spiritual, equally sacrificial, no matter where I live geographically. And so why do we go and send? Because 
This is where scripture is headed. This is where we're moving towards. All of scripture and all of history is moving to make Revelation 7, 9 happen. And our God, who is already working in mighty ways around the world, is inviting us to be a part of that. So I'm going to close us. Oh, I have one in my pocket. I'm going to close us with two invitations. You guys can grab this card. You guys can pull that out. It might be sitting on it. Um, it should have been on your chair when you walked in. I want to close with two invitations. The first invitation is this. that, that Again, if, if you are checking out Christianity, Jesus, for the first time or, or, or for just trying to check him out, as I mean, what, do, what does this all mean? My first invitation is this. God's inviting you into his family. He's inviting you into his family. Sin has separated us from a holy God, and God sent his son to pay the price for our sin, that whoever would believe in him would have life. Sin spiritually separates us and, and physically separates us from who God is and his character, but Jesus came to remove that separation. And if you have questions about that, what does that mean? Uh, that, that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord? And ask one of your staff. Ask one of the upperclassmen, the student leaders. Ask the band. Man, ask, what does it mean to be a part of the family of God? That's the first invitation I want to put out there. And the second invitation is this. If you've already said yes to that invitation, hey, I'm, I'm in the family of God. That's amazing. Welcome. The second invitation is, is I'm going to talk about the back of this card, the commitment. It says, I commit myself. I commit myself to obeying Christ and declaring his salvation to the unreached world by serving as a goer and a sender. So if you've already said yes to the first one, I'm going to see if you want to say yes to the second one. That do you want to join God in what he is doing around the world by going or sending? And again, you may not, I don't exactly know what that looks like. Come to the part two and learn more. But I'm going to pray us closed. And as I pray, I'm going to ask whoever wants to commit to being a goer and a sender to raise your card, and I'm going to pray for all of us. So what does that commitment mean? Does it mean I book my one-way ticket overseas like tomorrow? Maybe. No. But, I mean, I'm not going to stop you. But it does mean that, hey, I, I don't know exactly what the next step is, but I do want to take a next step in going and sending. That's what that commitment means. And I'm, not, and I'm not picking these up. This is for you. This is between you and God. And so would everyone close your eyes right now? And I'm going to pray for us. And if you are saying, yes, I want to jump in the tractor with dad, I'm going to pray us close. So raise your cards right now if you want to say yes to that. And I'm going to pray for us all. Wow, that's beautiful. God, I thank you for tonight. I thank you that we had a chance to look at your character throughout the entire Bible, that you are a constant and consistent and gracious God to the world. I thank you for every hand raised and those that aren't. This is a big commitment and we do not make it lightly. We give you praise because you are worthy of praise. And I ask that your words would continue to sink deep into our hearts and bear fruit. And anything that I said tonight would fall away. God, I thank you for all these USC students. And I pray that they would grow closer together as a community of believers and, and bringing others into this community and that they would grow closer together and also that they would grow greater in number. 
and that this room already too small would even get smaller because how many people they're packing in here. We give you praise. Amen. Thanks for listening to the USC Christian Challenge podcast. You can find us on your favorite podcast platforms where you can also give us a review. We meet in person every Thursday night at 7.30 p.m. in TCC 450 on the campus of the University of Southern California. If you're in the area, we would love to see you there. Get involved and find out more about us, upcoming events, and weekly small groups on Instagram at USC Challenge and on our website, uscchristianchallenge.com.